Please do turn to our Bible reading tonight, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and really just the first part of verse 14, this well-known phrase, and this we really will stick to tonight. For the love of Christ constraineth us, Christ's unmatched, peerless, indescribable love. There is nothing quite like it. Love, the most searched term on the internet. Love is the great desire of every human heart. We want to be loved. We want to know what it is to be loved and to feel it in our heart. We speak about finding love, being loved. We speak about loving something and loving someone. Who doesn't want to be loved? Who is there that feels lonely tonight? What is loneliness? It's not feeling that you're loved. It's feeling alone, feeling isolated, not knowing that love, anyone that's loved, has companionship, has fellow feelings. We crave love, we want love, we need love, but very, very few find it. And for even fewer does it hold, and does it keep through life. Love, the great, great need. When we think of the Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, he was a man that had no love. He was full of hatred. He was driven by a hatred which was utterly disgusting. He would have destroyed and murdered every Christian he could have got near. If he had a machine gun in those days, he would have drilled it through a crowd. Such was the hatred of Saul of Tarsus. He was a murderous man. And so when we read an expression like this, it really is astonishing. The man that had no love, the man that murdered and was responsible for the murder of many, says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Well, there's two parts to this, and you can look at it at the, the front, and you can look at it at the back. For the love of Christ, this word constraineth, it's been much debated what it means. We translate it here as constrains, and that's good. It's a compound of two words. The first Greek word means son, and the second word means echo. The first part is about Christ's love, and the second is our response, the echo. And so we first have to consider the love of Christ before we can understand how, somehow, if we can understand this word constraineth, how it forces gently a response from each one of us. If you understand something of the love of Christ, you are bound to be affected by it. If you're not, 
then you don't understand what the love of Christ is all about. Let me try again to explain what the word constrains means. We have in some translations, I don't know what you've got in front of you, compels, urges, but it means something a little different. It means a force that holds a person together instead of them breaking in pieces. Without this love, we'd just fall to pieces. If we're not loved, we just break apart. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is, for the love of Christ, it forces and gently constrains us and holds us so that we're whole and one and we're not broken. Here am I broken by sin, broken in bits, inconsistencies, parts of me that are not the same, lacking in integrity, and Christ comes and he holds me and puts me together. For the love of Christ makes me whole and holds me together. Well, let's look at the two parts. The first part, son, sineco or sinechi. Son means Christ's love for Paul and for us. And then the second part we'll look at is our love for Christ. The echo, the response that comes from it. There's another way you can look at this. I don't want to confuse you, but Paul is almost saying he's looked at every other pathway in life. He's tried every other avenue. He's tried hatred. He's tried being self-righteous. He's tried being a zealot. And then he found the love of Christ. And it's as though he's going on this straight road with a wall up each side. And for Paul, he's hemmed in. He's restrained by this love from now on to walk upon this path. I don't want to overly complicate, but just two uses of how this word is used elsewhere. It's a word that Luke uses nine times of the twelve that it's used in the Bible. And here's just two of them. Do you remember when the man of Gadara, the demonic, and when the Lord Jesus went to the man of Gadara, he healed him of demon possession. And the demons went into a herd of pigs and went tumbling down a cliff. And the people were absolutely gripped by a sense of fear. It's the same word, constrained. There was a force that drew them to God, but yet they resisted. The same word is used eight verses later in Luke eight forty-five, when the woman with the issue of blood is trying to desperately touch the clothes of the Lord Jesus. And there's a pressing, a throng around Christ. Same word. So I hope you get something of what this word constrain means. Well, let's think of this word, the love 
of Christ. What kind of love is this? There's three words for love. You know this, I'm sure. There is that biological, physical love, which is a great gift, a wonderful blessing, but it's temporary. It comes, it goes. And there's a much, much better love. Philadelphia, brotherly love. Oh, that's so much better. It's much more enduring and lasting. But the highest of all loves is the love here in verse 14. For the agape of Christ, the love of Christ. This was something completely alien. In Greek and Roman culture, they didn't understand it. The idea that somebody would lay down their life for no return. Why would you give your life unless you get something back? And yet this agape love is sacrificial. It's servant-like. It doesn't consider oneself. Do you know the Bible, Christianity, has a complete monopoly on this kind of love. There is no other love like this, not in any other religion. Every other religion is work, 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 do, do, do. And Christ says, that won't change anything. The only thing that will change a heart is the love of Christ constraining us. The love of Christ Well, let's consider some of the qualities. This type of love that has such a profound effect upon the Apostle Paul that he is bound to respond to it. And I hope tonight there's somebody here you've just not understood. You know the theory. You know the facts. But you've never been moved. Your heart has never been changed. The love of Christ has never gripped you. It's never got hold of you with a holy fear. It's never hemmed you in so that you are bound to respond in the way that Paul describes here. Well, the love of Christ, it's an eternal love. Do you know when Christ determined to come to earth, This was planned before creation. It was planned before there was stars and sun and moon. It was before time, before space. This love was eternal. It was a love, we say, from eternity to eternity. It was everlasting love. Oh, there's no other love like that. The love that you have for your wife, Sure, sometimes that comes and goes. And for your husband, because we're fickle. But the love of Christ is eternal. It's everlasting. It's kept. Secondly, we can say that this is an unchanging love in its quality, in its power. It's utterly faithful because it doesn't depend upon me. All the love that we have for a friend, the feelings within our heart, the passion love that comes and goes, it needs a response. It benefits from what it gets back. 
but not the love of Christ. This is unchanging, as well as being eternal. But thirdly, we can say that this kind of love, it's undeserved. Do you know the love of Christ was for his enemies? For the people that mocked him and scoffed him and the people that jeered upon him and the people that hated him with such venom. Even the Apostle Paul, who wanted to eradicate Christianity and yet Christ laid his love upon this man, this wicked man. Because the love that Christ shows to me and to you, if only you will come to him, is undeserved. It's undeserved and it's free, not free love like the 1960s, unrestrained, lawless, promiscuous love, but free because we can't pay for it. It's a gift. It's given by Christ. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. Christ comes to me, an enemy, an enemy in my mind against God, against his laws, and he pours out his love for me, maybe step by step, maybe day after day, there's a dawning. Christ love me? Me? How could that be? We can say as well, the love of Christ is, is demonstrated. What good would it be if he loved me, but it wasn't shown, it wasn't revealed, it wasn't so clear? Have you ever thought how one Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago could have such a profound effect upon the whole world. He only lived for 33 years. What was it about this man if it wasn't his love demonstrated, poured out, revealed, shown supremely at Calvary where he died instead of me and he took my punishment that I so badly deserved demonstrated love but we can add that this is unmatched you will not find any love anywhere that gets near the love of Christ peerless Matchless, unmatched. Oh, it's a different quality. It's from a different universe. It's heavenly love. Come down to us. And we can say it's a perfect love. Oh, perfect love. It transcends all understanding. It overcomes everything that's against it. You look at the love of Christ pushing, pushing to Calvary when so many would stop him, would hold him, would have taken his life before his time had come. And this is an irresistible love. When you've understood the love of Christ, you are so drawn and attracted by it, it's magnetic, it's gravitational. It pulls, it urges you to come to him. We call it irresistible. 
If you sit there and you're unmoved tonight, you've not understood the love of Christ. You've not been moved by it. For the love of Christ constraineth us. But we can add perhaps two more things. This love is general in a sense. It's a love for the whole world in delaying judgment, in giving time, in giving beauty and creation and giving relationships and giving families and giving his word and so much more. And at the same time, it's a love for single individuals, one here, one there, as Christ lays his love irresistibly upon a life that doesn't deserve, upon a life that's rejected, upon a life that doesn't want him until it sees and feels and is constrained by that love. Finally, we can say this kind of love of Christ, maybe it's just theoretical in your mind, maybe it's just historical, but this love, to understand it, is sympathizing love. This is a love from one who knows what your life and my life is like. He knows every pain, every burden, every difficulty. He knows much, much more than you'll ever know of what it is to live on this earth because he had a thousand lifetimes compressed into one with all the grief, the pain, the suffering that we will never understand, never complain of pain and suffering. Oh, some of you have terrible afflictions, grief and mourning and horrible things to live with day after day, but think of Christ. Think of the sympathy, the empathy, the warmth of his love. Because when he puts his love upon us, this is a saviour who understands your life and my life fully, comprehensively. And even understanding my life, he yet pours out his love upon me. Well, that's the son, that's the first part. For the love of Christ. But Paul says there must be a response. He can't sit there having understood this sun gleaming from afar like a shining light. It's affected his whole life. He feels it like a force. Not some nasty evil force, but a force that's so gentle. It's overwhelming. It took over his life and Paul feels the impact of this truth and its reality upon his heart and his soul. And so what, what can we say of the response of Paul? We can say we only love him because he first loved us. Isn't that true? I had no love for him until he put his love upon me. My love is a reflected love. It's inadequate, it's imperfect, but it's just a reflection of the love 
that he's poured out upon me. We love him because he first loved us. A responsive love. Secondly, we can say that my love for him as a child of God is unnatural. The natural way of men and women and children is to hate God, to reject God, to hold him at a distance. And it's only because he draws near and desires peace and makes peace while I was an enemy in my mind and offers reconciliation that I can have this kind of supernatural, unnatural love. It's unnatural as well because in this world, you know what the world says? Stand up for yourself. It says, if you don't promote self, no one will. And this kind of love says, get down. Be humbled. Be overwhelmed by the love of Christ. It goes against the grain. It's totally alien to what my natural desires say to promote self. And surely Paul is saying here, the love of Christ constrains me now to promote Christ and his cause and the cross. This love which has got hold of Paul is a transforming love. Look at the change in his life from a zealot to a humble man who didn't want to boast of anything else but Christ and Christ crucified. And this love that Paul wants to show and does show, it's a real love. Nothing theoretical. It's practical, it's real, it works itself out in having a compassion and a concern for those in the greatest need. Day after day he scans around him, he sees idol worshippers and he says, look at them, worshipping unknown gods. And his heart is wrenched. He's got to do something about it. This is real love. This is a heart that's moved. It must act. It must respond. And this kind of love is deepening. It grows and grows and grows. In Paul's heart, it doesn't come and go. It gets stronger and stronger. The more I see Christ, the more I feel his love, the more my heart pours out in love and wonder and in a desire to serve him. And this is a pure love. The love that this world knows its base. It's a love that's corrupt. It's a love that compels and forces and controls to get what it wants. But not Christ's love. It makes me clean. It purifies within me. Because this is a pure love. As I understand Christ's love for me, so my heart is cleansed of sin and all the impurities are pushed out because I only want him in my heart. Just a few more things before we close. This is a submissive love. It's a love that doesn't want its own. It wants Christ's honor. It's a compelling love. 
It drives me to love others, not to love the world, not to love acquisition and self. It's like an electric car. You go and plug it in. You put the power inside it. There's no pollution that comes out the back. It's a love that when it's filled up, it's got to go and go and go. But this battery doesn't run out. It's got such mileage in it. Much better than the batteries that fail. And it's an indebted love. The reason I want to love and the reason I love Christ and his word and I want to live for him and for eternity is because I feel a debt. I can't repay that debt. But that debt constrains my soul and heart to live in the knowledge that I'm indebted to him. I want to share the gospel. I want to be a better reflection of who he is. And finally, it's one more thing. This is a transparent love. When this love gets into a heart and into a life, the heart opens up and the life is seen and read by all people. This is a love that's open. This is a love that wants to tell others. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation. This love can't keep us in the dark. It won't enable me to be a secret Christian. This is a transparent love that says, I stand for Christ because he stood for me. In my place, condemned. And he took the punishment for my sin. And so I stand for him. Here I stand, if I can borrow the words. I can't stand for anyone else. I stand for Christ, transparently. Oh, we have that hymn, I found a friend. Oh, such a friend. He loved me, ere before I knew him. He drew me with the cords of love. You see, as I understand Christ's love, it draws me. And thus, he bound me to him. That's what Paul is describing here. The love of Christ like a sun, warming, drawing, enlightening the soul. And my echo, a faint, feeble echo, in response, because I feel constrained by that love for me. Oh, this is indescribable, unmatched love. Have you understood the love of Christ? Have you understood that it's personal? If you call out to him tonight in prayer, if you repent of your sin, if you trust him by faith, if you look to Calvary, it's for you. It's personal. The love of Christ compels, urges, constrains, hems me in and forces me willingly to respond in love to the Christ who gave himself for me. Let's pray together.
Our gracious God, our loving Father, may we be taken up in love and wonder at all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for each one of his people. Oh, we pray tonight, touch our hearts, touch a young person's heart, touch a heart of somebody that's resisted for so many years. Oh Lord, may we be constrained by the love of Christ for even me. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.